This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Thanks to everybody that showed up for the Whatnot giveaway stream. That was a lot of fun. I love giving stuff away, and thanks to Retro Game Restore for donating the shell for that. I got more auction Whatnot stuff coming at the end, but let's jump in and see what we got this week. A remastered edition of Power Slave was just released, and sorry metal fans, I don't mean that you're going to get a new version of Aces High. I'm talking about the video game originally released for PCs and 32-bit era consoles like Saturn and PS1. And apparently in the original, the PC version was made with the Build Engine, which was the same engine that was used for Duke Nukem 3D and others like it. But because the Saturn couldn't run the PC version, the developers made a totally different version of the game in a new custom game engine designed for those consoles. And apparently that's the one that people have been saying are the better versions. So Night Dive chose, the company who did this, chose to remaster those, but not just the Saturn version. They picked and chose the best parts of the PS1 and Saturn versions for this remastered edition. So it's pretty cool to see people put this much effort into doing something like that. Uh, I believe also Digital Foundry did some work on this too, if anybody's interested in the differences. It's all right here in Chris's posts. Uh, And there's even some CRT emulation stuff and things that you would normally find in remasters these days. So overall, if you're a fan of the game, um, this seems like something that's at the very least worth your time looking into. Check out Chris's post, check out the Digital Foundry video, and then kind of see if it's for you. But as far as remasters and re-releases go, they seem to have done anything or everything that you could possibly do to it. So it seems like it's worth people's time. This week's roundup is brought to you once again by JLC PCB. And this week I want to talk about how to order your PCBs right through them. So just go directly to the website, click on order now, and just hit add Gerber file. You don't really need to worry about anything else on that page yet. I know it's kind of intimidating for somebody who hasn't really done this before, but just wait for your Gerber file to load, and then you could check any of the options you want below. Now, normally any of the options you'll need will be pre-selected based on the files that you upload, but you can tweak them to your liking, and I think the most common thing people might want to tweak is what color their PCB shows up as. So, I usually use just certain color codes for prototypes and others for production, but there really isn't a right or wrong thing. It's just however you want to do it. After you're done, hit save to cart and then either sign into your JLC PCB account, or if it's your first time doing it, you can create one right there. After you're logged in, just hit save to cart and then view cart in order to view whatever PCBs that you've added. If that's the only one that you need, then just go to secure checkout and begin the checkout process. After that, it'll ask you to confirm your address, which I'm obviously not going to show here, but then you get to choose your shipping method, which I always think is pretty cool. If you want very fast shipping, you can select the first option, which is a bit expensive, but you'll get your PCB really quickly. 
The bottom two options are great if you're on a budget and you're not in too much of a rush to get it, and the price is really impressive. Less than $6 total for a couple of PCBs and shipping. And there's a couple other options if you're interested, but I mostly just either like to use the fastest one or the slowest one depending on I'm in a rush or not. And after that, that's pretty much it. Just submit everything through and then enter either PayPal or your credit card in order to pay for it. And you'll pretty soon get some confirmations that the PCBs are being made and then another confirmation after they ship. So that's pretty much everything you need to know to have basic PCBs made from jlcpcb.com for under $6. The Egret 2 Mini emulation consoles have started to ship, and it looks like you need a high amperage power supply in order to get the most out of it. So I've got to go back and give a little bit of background on this one, and then I'll explain the PSU thing, but this will be a quick one. The Taito Egret 2 Mini is one of those tiny little emulation boxes that's meant to be the same shape as the original candy cabs, and what sets this apart from the rest is the Egret 2s had a CRT that you could pull out and rotate between horizontal and vertical orientation. So a mini version of this is really neat, and while I generally think these things are more fun as toys than anything else, expensive toys, uh, people have said that they're playable and they like them, especially a lot of the controller accessories that have been released with them. However, if you use a basic USB-C power supply, the amount of power going to the chips isn't enough to run them at full speed. It's a bit of speculation, but it makes sense. And you get a lot more lag because the chips aren't running at full speed and there's a whole bunch of other things going on with it. And unfortunately, it doesn't appear to be as simple as just using a tablet power supply. I don't have one here to test and do power measurements, but other people who did found that you need a high amperage USB-C power supply. So definitely not something for a basic cell phone maybe one for your tablet, definitely one for a laptop that charges with USB-C, that should work. But I've also identified with the help of Firebrand X and others, a few PSUs that almost definitely will solve your problems. Once again, I don't have one here to test and there could be differences, who knows, but especially during a global part shortage. But for now, there's a couple of solutions that I've identified. First and foremost, if you have a laptop power supply laying around, try that because it's free and you know, you're not going to be using it 24/7, so it would totally make sense to be able to swap between the two if you only are going to use this now and then. But if you want one single PSU that almost surely will fix the issue, the link on top is expensive, it's like 30 something dollars, but that should have you covered. Uh, it's more powerful than your standard. And please remember that when it comes to amperage, there's no such thing as too much in the context of the electronics that we use. I always try to find a good analogy. The one I came up with this time is uh, when it comes to volts, you have to be within the tolerances of the devices that you're using. But when it comes to amps, it's kind of like if I have the ability to lift 100 pounds, I'm not able to go lift 200. But if I have the ability to lift 500 pounds, just because I'm picking up a glass of water doesn't mean I'm going to crush it. It just means I have the ability to pick up up to 500. And that's exactly what amperage is like in this context. In that if you have a power supply that's 100 amps, but your device only really requires two, it's only going to pull those two amps. And uh, that's definitely the case here. So that kind of no-name power supply that I just found, you know, it's on Amazon, so if it doesn't work, you could return it. But it should be overpowered, meaning even if it is kind of lower quality, it should fall in that sweet spot. 
you could get a name brand charger, the one uh, that was determined that definitely fixes the problem in the people that have tested it, is more expensive just for the charger itself, and you need a high amperage USB cable to go with it, so that's going to be even more of a, a cost. Or you could try to get a Triad PSU and a pigtail adapter, which would totally work, but has one issue. Um, while it would be probably the cheapest option here, if you disconnect it, forget what power supply goes where, now you have a USB-C with a barrel connector on the end, and it's very easy to plug the wrong PSU in. So while that's a perfectly good solution, maybe do something crazy like tape them together or glue them together just to make sure that that's always uh, you know, one setup for that so you can't put the wrong PSU in. So hopefully that covers it. Once again, this is mostly speculation because I don't have one here to test, but I feel like it was important to get the info out there. And, you know, even if we're wrong, you end up with a charger that you could use for other things or you could return it. So I felt comfortable this time. Uh, and it's not like a, an expensive rare item with no returns. This is Amazon stuff here. So other than the, uh, the triad PSU, it should be easy if you figure out a different solution. But it's one of those things where, in my strong opinion, if you plan on actually playing this thing and not just using it as a very cool desk ornament, you might as well just get the PSU because it's not just about uh, making sure it goes up to speed. When you have a device that's designed to draw two amps and you feed it a 1.5 amp power supply, that'll kill that board a hell of a lot quicker than just running it normally. So it's kind of I don't know if I'd go as far as to say a safety thing, but it's it's certainly close, you know, safety for that device. So, you know, I would just kind of make your own decision on that. But hopefully if you wanted this more just as like a neat thing to have on your desk and you got a USB-C laptop charger, you could play around with it and then just set it on your shelf and enjoy the very cool look to it. The Kickstarter campaign was just funded for a modern Bluetooth and USB 2.4 gigahertz mouse that is modeled after the Amiga Tank Mouse, which also looks very similar to quite a few other computer mouse mice niece of the time, and uh, it seems pretty awesome. The price is 40 bucks, and if that's the style mouse you wanted to use with your retro computer, your mister, any of the other devices out there that could accept either Bluetooth directly or 2.4 gig USB through the little dongle that it'll come with, this seems like a pretty good thing to have. Uh, 40 bucks is a very fair price in my opinion, because modern computer mice are about that, give or take, and they're sold in the quantities, or at least manufactured in much higher quantities than this will be. So the fact that the price is as low as it is is pretty awesome, and it just seems like a very cool accessory to have. So if you want a, a new retro-style computer mouse, definitely check out this Kickstarter campaign in Rick's post for more info. Pat from the Sega Saturn Shiro crew recently posted a video that talks about video game soundtracks on vinyl. And of course, as you would expect, Pat is focusing on Saturn soundtracks. And it's not just a sit and talk about how they sound type of video. Pat kind of goes in and wants to show off the record, how it would sound at its best, what some of the flaws are. And Pat's a huge vinyl enthusiast. So if you were thinking about getting into collecting video game soundtracks on vinyl, this might be a good one to listen to, especially if you're a fan of the Saturn. For me personally, I'm a 
I'm a fan of this stuff and I want to dig in deep at some point, but I got to just pick and choose my hobbies at the moment, a bit limited on time. But uh, at some point, I absolutely want to dig in and really find the Outrun and Afterburner soundtracks, as well as a few others that I thought were really awesome that I think would be a really cool thing to experience completely analog on vinyl. So if you're interested in this stuff and you want kind of a cool way to experience it, through somebody else, check out Pat's video in the post, and of course, if you need any more info. John Romero has just released a brand new level for Doom 2 via a WAD file to support the humanitarian efforts of the Red Cross and UN Central Emergency Response Fund for Ukraine. And if you're interested in this, the price is $6, and Cosmic Katamari has a whole guide on how to use this and how to implement it into your Doom 2 setup. So if this is something that you wanted to experience and you wanted to help out, then this is certainly a good way to start. Definitely check out the post for all the info that you would need. Wobbling Pixels just posted a video dedicated to tweaking your RetroTINK 5X for N64. And both Wobbling Pixels, myself, and Mike Chi all always start out these talks by saying, you don't need to do any of this. If you want to play your N64 through a RetroTINK 5X, plug it in, set the input, and start playing, and that's it. But if you're listening to this podcast, you probably want to mess around with it. So this is an excellent place to start. I really like how the video goes through separate PAL and NTSC settings, which is great. So pick and choose for your region, but also check out the sections that apply to both. And I also really like how Wobbling Pixels showed how to detect what resolution your game is. And that's kind of an interesting thing because while you don't have to set phase with the RetroTINK 5X that you would have on the open source scan converter, you do still need to know what resolution is incoming in order to change it to the correct profile. So this video walks you through all of that stuff, all of the different features you could do while you're in these different modes, um, like you know extra sharp, smoothing filters, all of that different stuff. And the only other thing to add is the 4K mode is 4K24 or 4K30, and that will add more lag on most panels. So if you're playing turn-by-turn role-playing games, that does not mean a single thing. You just do, you know, set it to whatever resolution you want. Setting it to 4K on a super sharp game, like something from the SNES era, like Final Fantasy, would look excellent. And even using that to apply the smoothing filters for N64 games are cool too. Just once again, most panels run way slower at 30 hertz than 60. I'll have a video up on that at some point, just a, a quick introduction. But yeah, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. So there's certainly strategy games that using or going up to the native resolution of the panel might get you a look that's better. But either way, check out Wobbling Pixels video for pretty much everything you need to know about that. This week's interview podcast is with Miss Matt Lemon, who is a YouTuber, a musician, and a fellow all-around nerd. And we dug into her origin story with the Amiga T, and of course we talked a lot about her new album, which I absolutely gushed over last week, and I meant every word. I'm still listening to it. I think it's absolutely awesome. So this is a great one to listen to if you just want to hear a little bit about everything, especially focused on that stuff, and hear from a very cool person in the scene. I will admit that it is absolutely absolutely hilarious to me that we are both two creators, yet I screwed up the sound, and at the end of the video, there were no lights in the room, so she just kind of looked like a floating head on screen. So, yeah, great job, two people who make YouTube videos. <laughs> Oops. But overall, I think um, the, the content was good enough that you would hopefully overlook those mistakes and stuff like that, and I, I think I filtered it out 
good enough so you don't get so much of the background noise. But anyway, I had a great time talking to her. We're definitely going to do it again at the very least when her next album's out. And as always, they're available as a video and absolutely everywhere audio-only podcasts are found as well as for direct download. So just check out the links if you want to listen. Or just search on any of those podcast services for Retro RGB, Miss Mad Lemon. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As always, I'm going to skim through these really quick, and if you would like any details, please check out Lou's post, and of course, Lou's video that has all of this stuff in one very easy-to-follow video. First up, the PlayStation Core is coming along, but there is now a pretty awesome new feature, CPU Data Cache, which gives you the added benefit of increasing the frame rate in certain games. So I got to pause for a second and just remind everybody that this is yet again something that you could do on the Mister that you cannot do and probably could never do on real hardware that really adds to the experience. Increasing frame rate is always a very important thing. So it's just one of those things that I like to drive the point home. Uh, Same thing with the adaptive composite blending, because there's no other place that you could play Sonic the Hedgehog on a CRT with zero lag over the original, where Sonic is nice and sharp, the text is nice and sharp, but those waterfalls look like water because they're blended together. And while that's a silly example, it's also one of the easiest ones to visualize, which is why I always use it. But now here's yet another over on the PlayStation Core that's going to allow you to do this. So very, very exciting stuff. I can't wait to um, for this public release so that uh, we all could just try this thing out. Also, Hotego has officially released his System 16 core to the public. So if you are not a Patreon supporter of his, all you have to do is just use the update all script and just make sure to set the settings to not download Hotego's beta stuff and only download the public stuff. And if you are a Patreon supporter, do the opposite. Set it to download everything and just add your file in there to get the stuff as they go through. But I think it's totally fair. People who support on Patreon get stuff While they're in progress, they get to try it first, but they also do so under the understanding of there's going to be bug fixes to work out. And then when they're ready, they're available for free to everybody. So I think that's pretty fair. Um, Also, Hotego mentioned that he's going to be adding the 5X crop, or at least hinted on it, uh, in some of his cores, which I think is pretty cool, but not all arcade cores would use that. So uh, I did a whole video on this, so I'm going to give the 10 second explanation. Most console game developers compensated for the fact that no two CRTs were alike and most cut off top and sides of the image. So while many would fill the screen top to bottom, even the HUDs and you know your scores are kind of down towards the middle more. So if you overzoom to 5X, you get kind of a closer view of what you would have to the original, but you fill up more of your widescreen flat panel. You don't find that as much on arcade boards, but I absolutely do see a bunch of older arcade boards that just didn't have the resolution to fill the whole CRT anyway. So doing a 5x integer scale gets you the sharpest possible image while filling the most amount of the screen without shimmering or anything like that. So I'm interested to see which, if any of the cores Hotego implements this on, and I'd like to see if it makes a difference playing on flat panels, but it's very cool that he's willing to try it out. Uh, Also, Porkchop Express is add, or has just added aluminum case conversion kits to his store. So if you had one of his IO board based kits and you want to convert it over to just a digital spit if output, which would allow room for dual RAM sticks if you need to, the conversion kit is $10. And I think that's just for the case plate. I 
not 100% sure on that. You might just want to check. Um, but either way, it seems awesome for people that want to go back and forth. I'll have a Mr. Video soon uh, that kind of goes through why you would or would not want one of these. And of course, always pay attention to Lou's channel as well. Uh, and also, Ultimate Mr. is going to start selling an all-new MT32 Pi setup, which will include the Pi Zero 2, heat sinks, micro SD card, USB 3 cable, stand, and case. So if you were looking to pick up one of those, but you didn't want to have to assemble it all yourself, keep an eye on that one. Uh, and other basic updates for Mr. have been Mac Plus, TRS-80, and a few of the other things out there. So thanks very much to Lou to keeping us in the loop of all of this stuff. And if you want more info, please check out his video. And, uh, you know, a lot of cool stuff coming for Mr. So I'm very glad to be part of the scene today when we get to experience all this awesome stuff. Unfortunately, it looks like EverDrives are becoming even harder to find. I imagine this all is rooted in the global part shortage, which especially has hit the FPGA market pretty hard. But of course, with everything else going on in the world, that's obviously adding to it all. So some of the EverDrive sellers had closed down and sold off their stock on eBay. And some of the normal retailers around the world had also run out of stock. I think there's still a few bundles left. We tried to find whatever was left to link, but I think they're mostly gone. So unfortunately, I guess this part is more just a heads up that EverDrives are going to be scarce for a little while. Hopefully, Crix is able to bounce back and figure out a way around this stuff. But we'll keep everybody posted if there's any kind of stock alerts or anything like that. But for now, I think... You know, just sit tight, wait for things to swing back around and understand that there's a lot of moving pieces, a part shortage, you know, craziness happening. So it's going to be one of those things where it might take a while, but it really isn't anybody's fault. So this week's Whatnot stream is going to be NES focused. I have Rourke from Rourke's Retro Corner as my guest this week, and we're going to be selling off a bunch of NES themed stuff, including some of his controller shells, which are absolutely awesome. If you want any info on this stuff, I kind of have a placeholder page on the site because Whatnot isn't really great at searching through descriptions. So retrorgb.link forward slash Whatnot. It's about as easy as you can remember. And this will always have all of the updated info for what's going on in the stream. So I have links to Rourke, links to the two interviews we did if you want to know more about him and his process of how he makes these shells and stuff like that. Uh, and I think this is going to be a pretty cool one. Um, it's not going to be as long as last week's because we have kind of a set amount of stuff to, to sell. And of course, anything Rourke sells is going to him. Anything I sell is going to me, but it's all going through me just because it's easier that way. Also, I think next week's stream, I'm going to try to do like a creator-focused one where I sell off some fancy lighting equipment, a boom mic, a really, really nice rec audio recorder, some lapel mics and stuff like that. So, you know, if you're a creator and you were looking to purchase stuff like that, please let me know. And uh, I think Whatnot's still doing that thing where you pay for shipping on your first purchase and all shipping is a dollar per item after that. So I'll do some creative stuff and I'll sell off some HDMI repeaters that weigh two ounces or, you know, kind of stuff that you might not need, but you know, it's a cheap investment in saving you shipping later. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, let me know in the comments if there's anything you want to see. I'm clearing out almost everything here. I absolutely have to. So I'm trying to get as much cool stuff out and throw in some of the, oh, by the ways in those streams as well. And I think that went really well last week. I think there were a lot of my fellow nerds that jumped on and enjoyed the, the giveaway, enjoyed the assembly process, but then also got to buy some 
weird stuff that was pretty cheap mostly and uh that's kind of what's making me really happy about this too is a lot of this stuff you know i i sold for four dollars and shipping cost more than the thing but somebody who got it is probably going to use it whereas it would just sit in my box forever and then you know when i die of a heart attack from too much beer and donuts it's just going to go in a garbage bin somewhere so at least now it's going to be used with people um, and that's definitely what i want the creator stuff to do as well i'm giving two weeks notice in that one because these are a lot of you know that's a mix of expensive really you know niche items that creators might want i think i have an md Fourier approved audio interface as well so i'm giving two weeks notice for that one because that's really going to have to be the right crowd who wants that uh but this week's nes themed i got an avs console i got a bunch of other random nes stuff and of course the shells from rourke so i'm really excited to go through and hang out with him it's been a while it's actually the last time i really you know, had a long conversation was that last stream that we did. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And as always, if you're not on the platform yet, all you have to do to get $10 off your first purchase is click on that link. Um, now, the only other thing to note is a few people that joined up last week had a bunch of problems clicking through because everything really works better through the apps. So if you're purchasing through a web browser, it, clicking on these should be okay. But if you have any issues getting onto the stream, download the WhatNot app uh, and then go to retro gaming category and look for retro RGB or just search for me and follow me there. Uh, so I guess there was a whole bunch of problems starting out last week, which is really great that there was a long assembly before the giveaway. That way there was more than enough time for everybody to join before I gave away the Super Famicom. So not sure if there's going to be any giveaways this week. I'll try to find something cool, but uh, hopefully people will jump on and enjoy it. And I'm, I'm certainly enjoying the process so far. So uh, let me know your thoughts and feedback. Let me know if there's anything creator focused that you want. Um, and maybe my plan is going to alternate between like, you know, more general nerd stuff that most retro gaming nerds would want and then weird stuff and then back because i also have piles of speakers some magnetically shield some not um I, I mean printers i got a million weird things that that i'm sure somebody else could do better things with than i'm using them for so any link or any uh questions or anything like that let me know and all of the correct info that you would need for each week is retro link forward slash whatnot so can't wait to see you all this weekend, and that's going to hopefully be a fun one. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to everybody who supports in any way possible. It is you who is keeping these podcasts, live streams, behind-the-scenes research, the website, and everything else alive. So thank you all very much, and hopefully I'll see you on the live stream on Saturday. <laughs>